Well, turn in your Bible to Second Peter. Second Peter. And as you're turning, I do have PowerPoint tonight. I haven't slipped a gear. And so uh, we're back in the Sabbath. The last two Wednesday nights, I think I had a blowout or something. Uh, but we're back in the, in the saddle there. Uh, let's, let's ask the Lord. Let me just, as we've looked through these two books, and as we'll complete this series called The Pilgrim's Progress tonight, um, we have learned a lot of things, but one of the things especially in Second Peter that you will find is a real reliance upon the Word of God to get us from point A to point B. How many of you know His Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? In fact, it says His, his Word uh, uh, just uh, releases, as we study His Word, it releases supernatural power in our lives. And so this Bible that you hold in your hand or that you have on your phone or your iPad, uh, it's, it's not just a history book. It's not just, you know, lessons for living. It's the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. And it's God-breathed, God-inspired. And what you need to expect when you open your Bible and read your Bible and when you study the Word and when you hear God's Word, you should expect faith to arise in your heart because the Bible says faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And how many of you know we need great faith in these days we live in? And we'll see that tonight. And so... As I, so, so with that in mind, let's pray that our ears would be open and our hearts would be open to His Word as we study the Word together tonight. Father, we thank You for the ministry of Your Word in our life. May it bring forth much fruit in our midst. And we thank You, Lord, as we study, Lord God. Your Word is living and active and it will pierce our hearts. And Lord, convict us and transform us and change us. And as we've learned here in Second Peter, empower us. Uh, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, tonight we conclude this series. And uh, uh, let me say next Wednesday night, I want everybody to be here because it's our VBS finale. Hey, just because we're not studying the Bible per se, you need to be here to support your vacation Bible school workers and all the kids and see what God has done and rejoice with us in that. And then next, the, the first Wednesday night of August, attention everyone, everybody say attention everyone, we're going to review some things for you that have been here a while, and for you new members and new faces, this will not be re, 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 uh, review, it'll be a first time for you, we're going to go through our Connect course. Uh, and it, it, that sounds kind of boring a little. Maybe I could find a better way of, but uh, we're going to learn how to get connected with God, get connected with our church family, get connected with the mission and the ministry that God has for us, and get connected with the, the mission of winning people to Jesus Christ. It's a four-part series that we encourage everybody to go through. And as we've looked in Second Peter, we realize Peter said, hey, even though you're established in these present truths, I'm just going to keep reminding you about them. And then after I die, I've got a system built in so I can keep reminding you about them. Even though you got them, I'm just going to keep reminding you about them. How many of you know Peter thought that was very important for us to keep a firm grasp on what God is saying in through our life? So, so 
Just because I announced the Connect course, if somewhere, sometime in a time. In fact, someone said, Pastor, I think I've already been through that. I said, can you tell me one thing you learned from that course? Uh, and uh, they stared at me funny. I said, okay, you need to be in the Connect course. Uh, and so all of us need to be here. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you tonight too. Amen. So I'm excited about that. That begins in August. Uh, the first Wednesday night of August. So here we go. Second Peter. Let's kind of do a little quick review. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the first Peter theme. Uh, this was first Peter's theme that we spent a lot of time in first Peter. It was five chapters. Uh, and I, I took me a while to introduce the, this whole thought, but then I got rolling a little bit. And here it is progressing through this life into that life in the face of adversity and pressure. You see, these books, these letters were written to persecuted Jewish believers who were scattered, if you will, throughout the, uh, the different areas that he mentions there in first in the first chapter. And they were under pressure and they were in the middle of adversity. In fact, if you look in first Peter, it says you're if you're you're grieved for a while. And then uh, then in, and he says there at the end, he says, May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, he'll perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. What he's saying is this world's got some pressures in it. This world's got some problems. How many of you believe that the problems and the pressure that this world is facing will not get better as time goes by? I promise you that when you look to scripture, you got to realize that the darkness gets darker, but the light of God should get brighter and brighter. And that's us. Everybody say, that's us. Look and smile real big and say, hallelujah. And that's who we are. And so Peter came along and he wrote this letter in first Peter to help keep them moving forward and, and realize they called them pilgrims. And that word pilgrims means temporary residence. How many of you know we are all pilgrims passing through? This earth is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And we need to realize that. Did you know planet earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? It's only temporary. Tell somebody it's only temporary. And so that was the theme of first Peter. And then he comes back with second Peter and we gave this theme to it. Uh, and last Wednesday night, I encourage you, if you missed last Wednesday night, get online. We don't have the video, but we certainly have the audio. Go on our website. That is uh, our new website. We've unfolded and, and Ike's tweaking and tuning it. Uh, but uh, I think you can find that there. It's certainly on iTunes. Uh, and here's the, here's the theme we gave to second Peter. Pro let's read it together out loud. Progressing through this life into that life is fueled by what you know and who you know. Or everybody say who you know and what you know. And last Wednesday night, we talked and we walked you through where, where Peter is. In fact, uh, last week we learned that Peter's on a war path. He's on a war path against the forgetful nature of man. How many of you know it's easy to forget some things? In fact, uh, uh, we found in, in second Peter that, that, uh, the false teachers willfully forget the word of God and they willfully forgot that God created the earth. And so when you read through this three chapters, you'll find he's on a war path against the forgetful nature of man. He doesn't want us to forget what God said. In fact, if you go to the end, he, he just says in verse 17 again, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away by the error with the error of the wicked. In other words, you cannot forget what God's done in your life and what he's doing and what he's going to do. 
Not only was he on a war path, and is he, was he on a war path against the forgetful nature of man and going over and over. Don't forget this. Remember this. Everybody say, remember this. Everybody say, don't forget this. He is also in chapter two on a war path against the deception and depravity of false teachers who endeavor to undermine the knowledge of God and stifle the progress of the people of God. Listen, I have seen that in our day in, in a powerful way slipping through the church, slipping through uh, uh, seemingly well-known, well-versed Bible scholars, Bible teachers who come up with some of the silliest, uh, uh, off-track, twisted scriptural belief system concerning morality and this, that, and the other, uh, and salvation. Let me tell you something. Uh, when you start hearing gospel that tells you everybody's saved, they just don't know it yet, and everybody's going to heaven, you need to realize... I'm listening to who Peter was warning us about in Second Peter. And so, just so many things we, we face. And so, so that's what the theme is, 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 is uh, getting through this life uh, based upon the knowledge of God. And we looked at uh, the knowledge of God by, by way of different aspects because he said right there in the beginning, he talked about uh, grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God, that's the epignosis is the Greek. It means the heartfelt knowing and relational understanding and relationship with God. How many of you know the uh, some things, but then you know some things? You know, I know uh, my wife in, in a way no one else does, okay? I have a relationship with her. That's the kind of knowledge. And then we, we saw that he said you need to add to that relational knowledge Head knowledge of the Word of God. Get to know what God has to say and add those things into your life. And so uh, that's where we were. And so tonight I want to pick up and kind of kind of cap this off uh, with uh, uh, talking about some things that I believe Peter is pressing us on as pilgrims uh, in order to gain a working knowledge. You see, uh, an, an under you know we have knowledge. Uh, you know, I have very little knowledge. That's why they call this thing a smartphone, because it's much smarter than I. It amazes me. This thing amazes me. I'm telling you, I stand amazed at technology today, but I don't have a working knowledge of it. I still am befuddled by the internet. Uh, where do that, how on earth, when I type something into Google, it can go out and grab a gazillion places and plop them on my screen in a millisecond and tell me all about them. It just befuddles me. I don't have a working knowledge of that. I have a knowledge of it, but not a working knowledge. I do not understand it. And so I think the way I want to come at this, I'm going to give you five thoughts tonight that I think Peter, when he's capping off this letter, he's wanting us, he's wanting pilgrims, he's wanting these that uh, had been scattered to, to get a working uh, understanding and knowledge and integrate some important key truths in their life. Are you with me so far? Say amen. So here we go. I'm going to give you the first one. I believe Peter, as we look to this scripture, this, this three, uh, uh, chapter letter, uh, he's wanting us, he's wanting the pilgrims to have a working knowledge uh, of the gifts of God that he's given us. There are gifts that he mentioned here. And I want to show them to you. And I see, and, and you'll see it where he says he gave us, or that there's an inference that it is a gift to us. And it begins in verse one. He said this, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have what? Somebody say obtained. What did they obtain? 
a like precious faith. Now, the first gift that I see here right off the bat that he wants us to know that, in fact, that word obtained, you didn't work for it. How many of you know you don't work for it? It is a gift. Uh, and, and that's what it means. That obtained means receive. And here's the scripture. Here's the, the cross reference, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. What did Paul say to the Ephesians? He said, for by grace you are saved through what? Faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a what? Gift of God. He gives us a, a measure, a gift of faith. And so we see here in this, the, the in, in both of these letters, and expect, you know, he's wanting us and wanting, he wanted these pilgrims to have a faith in their future and a faith in the finished work of Christ to know that, hey, this is only temporary. This pressure and problem you're going through, you just need to walk by faith and not by sight and go through these problems. And because after a while, he'll perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. You need to have faith in that and have faith in the finished work of Christ and, and know that, hey, Jesus went through this life and he had to walk by faith. And, and he had struggles and issues and we follow him and he just jumps right out there. Hey, I want you to have a working knowledge of your faith. I want you to have a faith that works. Amen. And listen, faith is not for the, for the, the AOK times. Faith is for the times of struggle, for the question marks of life. And so we see him here. He said, listen, you've obtained the like precious faith. And he wants us to walk in that and be able to be able to have a working knowledge of that gift of faith. And then he says this in verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus, our Lord. There's another gift, grace and peace. Everyone say grace and peace. We know by the very definition of grace that we don't earn it. We don't work for it. It's unmerited what? Favor. That's the kind of the standard definition. In other words, you can't earn it. It is a gift. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. The inference is both of them are gifts. You can't earn your way to heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't work your way to heaven. And you can't, you can't serve your way into greater graces with God. You can grow in grace, but what we do does not make God's grace any more or less graceful. It's a gift. In fact, how many of you know peace, the peace of God is a, is a gift on our life? In fact, what did Jesus say? Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said, my peace I give and leave to you. I'm giving you the peace of God. You know, here's the thing about these gifts. We got to have a working knowledge of them. If you just take it and set it on the shelf, you're not going to walk in the faith of God, walk in the grace of God and walk in the peace of God. But if you take it, everybody say, I got to take it now. I got to receive it into my life. You know, uh, that's what the football players do. They have to receive the ball in order to, to, to gain yardage. And so if we're going to progress, we've got to receive. Everybody say receive. I think I need to get you worked up tonight. Everybody get out there, get your arm and let's receive this. Come on. I'm taking it. I'm receiving. <laughs> Amen. I don't want you falling asleep on me. And here's some more, here's, now this is kind of all encompassing. This just blows my mind. It has always blown my mind. Uh, and here's the next one. Uh, he says this in verse three. Uh, he says, as his divine power has given, everyone say given, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everyone say all things, 
all things that pertain is given to us. In other words, let me just say it this way. Whatever you need in this journey, everybody say whatever I need, whatever you need in this journey, however hard, however pressing, however troublesome, he has what you need. In fact, all you need is in him. Some people think, well, I just need a raise. Some people think, well, I just need, I just need a, a different husband. Some think, well, I just need a husband. Some people think, I just don't need a husband or a wife. Some people think, well, I just need a new car. I just need that. Listen, what we need is him. And it says he has blessed us. He has given to us. Ooh, somebody needs to take this one. He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everybody say life and godliness. In other words, living life and living life godly. He's a, he hasn't given us all things that pertain to what we want and what we think and what we, we feel. He's given us all things that pertain, that pertain to life and godliness. Everybody say all things. Whatever you need is in him. And so we need to have a working knowledge of that and realize, hey, whatever I need, he has it for me. However, I, whatever I need to live this life godly, he's got it for me. Uh, it's the fruit of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whatever. Hey, he's got it. Everybody say he's got you covered. Tell your neighbor he's got you covered. He really does. And oh, here's another one. Here's another gift. Let me read forward. It says this, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. There's that theme who called us by glory and virtue by which has been given. Everyone say given. Here's another gift has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And what happened? Pardon me. What happens when we receive these precious promises? It says that uh, it says we've got these precious promises that through these, speaking of the precious promises, you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. OMG. Somebody say OMG. What he said, the word of God, the promises of God, as you embrace them, as you receive this gift into your life and begin to chew on and digest and partake and believe and trust the word of God in your life, it will produce supernatural ability and you will begin to become partakers of his divine nature and you can learn and grow to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whoo, my Lord Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm telling you. Now, that is power-packed stuff right there. And what, what I think Peter's doing, he said, you need a working knowledge of these things in your life. You need to understand that, man, God has given you faith. He's given you grace and peace, unmerited favor and peace in the middle of the storm and blessed you with all things that pertain to life and godliness and, and all these things conspire together and the precious promises go to work in your life and it, and it, and it releases God's divine nature within you and you have power to say nope to dope. Somebody say hallelujah. And say no to sin and yes to Jesus and become partakers. Of, oh, there it is. There, we become partakers of his divine nature. Amen. So I see Peter's pressing us as pilgrims to gain a, a, a working knowledge of what he's given us and let it go to work in our life. I see people struggling around and stumbling around and, and fiddle. Uh, and I better be careful. Fiddling around. I started to. Start saying. 
I don't say that here in church. Uh, uh, and, and, and no progress. Hey, it's time to begin to gain a working knowledge of how he's gifted us and graced us. Here's the second one I see uh, that uh, is, is laced really through both, chap, both books, both letters. But it's, we need a working knowledge of, of our goals that God has for us. In fact, when you look, you need to realize he's, he's setting a goal for these pilgrims. And, and the pilgrim number one is to arrive. Uh, that ultimately, if you go back to the beginning of First Peter, you know, we have a, we have a reservation in heaven. How many of you know we're on our way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas tonight? You need to realize that. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont. This is just a temporary stopover. But, uh, as you look, he gives us goals and things to accomplish in the midst of the journey. It's not, he's not just hoping we arrive safely. He's hoping we make a difference on our way. He's desirous for a make a difference. How many of you know God doesn't want you just to get to heaven? He wants you to bring heaven to others and help get them to heaven. And so I see two goals that, that he's endeavoring for us to get a working knowledge of. And the first one is this. It's stability in the journey. He, he doesn't want us to be unstable believers. Always struggling, always unstable. And you see that theme, uh, especially in chapter 1 where he says in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Everybody say diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. In other words, this is what we do. Everybody say, this is what we do. Now, now notice something. Let me notice, uh, notice the transition. We talked about the gifts, all these things that he gave us. And now that we've gone through those four, you know, the, the thoughts that he's given us everything we need to live this life and, and live successfully and productively, he said, now, here's what I want you to give. I want you to give diligence to your spiritual walk. And I want you to add into your, into your faith these virtues and these, these uh, key elements of the Christian faith. Add to your faith virtue. This is what I want you to give diligence to add to your life to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now catch the next two verses. For if these things are yours and abound, everybody say and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, I'm telling you, that's, that's brassy and bold right there. But I believe this to be true. That if I add these things into my life, if I am... Uh, 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 cooperative with what Jesus gave me, God gave me, and I cooperate by giving all diligence to these things, I believe I will build a stable Christian life that I will walk and live and breathe and have my being and not be overcome by the false teachers and by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Amen. And he says, you need to have a working knowledge of, of the, the reality that you can live a stable and a victorious life. In fact, he comes back. I read it already, but 317. He says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. 
being led away with the air of the wicked. He said, listen, you got to stay stable. You got to stay focused. You got to stay, uh, uh, sure, uh, uh, keep your calling and election sure. Everybody say sure. Whoo. Amen. And so our goal should be a lifestyle of stability. Verse 10, be diligent to make your call and election sure. I'm stable in my walk with God. And that's a, that's a partnership with God. How many of you know that? You got to add those things into your life. And then the second thought about this goal, our goals, it's, it's, uh, uh, not just a goal of being stable Christian through it all, but a successful Christian. He said, verse nine, he said, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many of you know, this is, go, this almost goes without saying that our journey from here to there it, uh, should involve an investment in other people uh, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. In fact, if you go back to chapter one, verse nine, uh, or verse, uh, yeah, verse nine. No, 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 no. Uh, here we go. Where am I finding? Oh, verse, uh, verse eight. For if these things are yours and abound, everyone say abound. In other words, if you're always growing and, and things are getting better in your life and you're abounding in your walk with God, uh, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there'll be a, you'll live a fruit-filled, successful life that is linked to, the, to God's great goal for us all to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded us. And then he says, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Peter's pressing us to have an understanding of how he's gifted us, but then he's pressing us to, to uh, empower our life with a vision for our life and, and goals for our life, set goals. I, my goal is I'm going to be stable. I'm not going to waffle back and forth. I'm not going to be milk toast. I'm not going to be mamby-pamby. I'm not going to be whiny baby. I'm going to be a man or a woman of faith, and I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and I'm going to be successful, be fruitful. I'm going to abide in the vine, and I'm going to be fruitful, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that, uh, God, that, that, God, that no one perishes. That's why we're hitting this so strong here these next few weeks. We don't want anybody to go to hell. Amen. I don't believe God wants anybody to go to hell. I don't, he's not willing that any should perish. And we shouldn't either. And then number three, the third fault that Peter's pressing us towards is to gain a working knowledge of our vision or our gaze. To be able to see clearly and to see, see, uh, 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 with vision from God about our future. I just started reading a book. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you the name of it yet because I'm not sure it's 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 not a Christian book. It's a it's a leadership book. But, but I did like. I looked through the content, and man, a lot of it has to do with clarity. Everybody say clarity. Man, you gotta you gotta communicate clearly. You gotta you gotta communicate often, and you gotta communicate clearly. And man, it had to do with with people and people in your team. Yeah, catching the vision and, and, and running with the vision. And so we see Peter here talking about and, 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 and showing us, uh, and wanting us to get a vision for our future. And here, our pathway, let me just tell you, our pathway. How many of you look at your life sometime and you just wonder, which way, which way do I go? Which way do I go? You know, I, I need vision. I need direction. Well, here, let me just say it this way. God will, will use your diligence 
to shine a light on your pathway. Let me show it to you. Remember what he said in verse 5? Giving all diligence. Everyone say giving all diligence. Now, and then he, then he add to your faith, but then look in verse 9. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. Now, did you get what I'm saying here? If you add these things into your life, what is that going to do to, 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 to your pathway? It's going to shine a light on, on, your, on your pathway. The, the lifestyle that you choose to live, it says those who choose it not, they'll be blind. But those who choose this pathway to add and cooperate with the, with the purposes of God for their life, they will not, here, here's the reference, they will not be short-sighted and they will not be blind. They will be able to see all things clearly. Are you with me? And so, hey, it's illuminated by our diligence. Number two, our pathway is illuminated by God's Word. Verse 19 says this. He's, if you remember, he's talking about the... Uh, he, he gives an illustration. I was on the mountain. I heard God say, this is my beloved son, hear him. But then basically what he says, but we have this prophetic word more sure than that word. In other words, hey, the word that I got on the holy mountain, I'm standing there right with him. But I'm telling you, what he's saying is, this word is more sure than any experiential word you got that you heard God speak to you in your heart. This trumps everything you hear in here. And it lines up with everything you hear in here. And he's talking about the power of the written word. And he says this in verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed. Everyone say heed. As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. You know what he just said. He said until that, that reference to the Till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I think that's a reference to the return of Jesus Christ. And, and what he's saying is, this word that you have will carry you all the way till then. And it'll shine a light on your path and provide vision. In fact, what did David say in Psalm 119? So Psalm 119, 105, which by the way, if you've not read Psalm 119 in depth, nearly every verse is a reference to the Word of God. If I'm not mistaken, there's only a few references that are not referencing the commands of God, the Word of God, so on and so forth. Uh, for example, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't remember what verse that is, but it's a part of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 105 says, well, there it is. That your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Listen, if you need direction, hey, I, how many of you appreciate people, good counsel? In fact, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's what? Safety. You just got to make sure who you get counsel from. If you got marriage trouble, don't talk to people who have marriage trouble. And just, hey, if you're struggling with an addiction, I, I know what the, hey, you need someone that's gotten free from addiction to help you figure that out. Hey, counsel's good. You just have to be careful who you listen to, okay? But, hey, listen, this word, 
will shine a light in your life and on your life and transform your life and, 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 and light the pathway of your life. And so Peter's press for us at pilgrims as we're passing through. He's wanting us to have a working knowledge of what it takes to see which way we're going and to have revelation about our life and to be able to have the, the, the pathway of our life shown by the light of God's word and by the diligent effort on our part that releases God's direction in our life. Amen? He's pressing us towards that. And let me just say, we should all feel pressed towards the Word of God right now. There should be, a pre- there should be something on the inside of us that says, I need His Word in my life more than ever before. And I see that with Peter as he writes this letter. And then the fourth thing that I see Peter pressing us to gain a working knowledge of uh, oh, let me just say, oh, I meant this. There's a little quickie uh, caveat to this. According to Peter, here we go. We should be always looking for some things. Look in verse uh, 12 of chapter 3. He says, looking for something. This should be a part of the visionary lifestyle that we live. Verse 12, he says, looking for. Everyone say looking for. That has to do with vision. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will, will be dissolved, being on fire, and elements will melt with a fervent heat. Everybody say looking for. We need to always be looking for the return of Jesus Christ and realize, hey, we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than ever before. If you go back, if you go back to first Peter, man, it's all about Jesus is coming again. In fact, you read through the New Testament. You know what the theme is? Jesus is coming again. You know what the last red that's, re- that's written in the scripture says? It's over in the last chapter, the last few verses of Revelation where Jesus says, I think three times, behold, I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And you say, well, they've been saying that all, all along. Well, you need to read chapter three of second Peter because he says, that's what those false prophets have been saying. But you need to understand this. A day with the Lord's a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. My timetable is not like your timetable. And you need to always be looking for my return. Read, read Matthew 24 and 25 where Jesus told his disciples, be ready. Everybody say, be ready, be ready, be ready. Always be on the lookout. Be looking for the return. And so he also, hey, we should not only be looking for with our vision, but we should be looking forward to these things. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. This has to do, uh, let me just say, uh, uh, this has to do with, with our hope and with our desire for God in our life. Uh, verse uh, 14, we look forward to these things. It has to do with be, be waiting for. I'm waiting for in a, in a uh, faith-filled posture for the return of Jesus Christ. I'm not just watching, but I have something on the inside with a faith-filled posture. I'm looking forward to it. You know, some people say, well, you know, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm just not looking forward to it today. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, But in a sense, what did Paul say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you know what? In a very real sense, though I believe I still have something to do on planet Earth, in a very real sense, I long for Him and for heaven and for eternity with Christ where there's no more sorrow, there's no more weeping, there's no more pain. Could I get a better amen? I, I, let me promise you something. Can I promise you something? When you get there, you'll be glad you did. <laughs> I promise you that. 
Amen. And so we should always be looking for the coming of the Lord and even hastening the coming of the Lord by our lifestyle and looking forward to the coming of the Lord with a sense of faith and, and anticipation. But also as we learn uh, uh, from Peter in both of these, these letters, we should be looking out for some things. That's why he said in verse 17, but beware lest you also fall from your steadfastness. He's warning us about the influence. He said, you got to be wary. Everybody say, you got to be wary. What did he say in in 1 Peter chapter 5? He said, watch, look out. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We've got to be wary. So in this visionary lifestyle, we're looking for and hastening the return of Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ with a sense of faith and confidence and expectation. But we're looking out all the while for the enemy who's trying to trap us and knock us off track. It's our visionary lifestyle. God has a pay. Yeah, hey, Peter came along and he's wanting us to get a working knowledge of vision and direction in our life. And then number four, we need to have a working knowledge of our guard. What will guard us and keep us in this, in this walk with God? And just quickly, uh, we, and, 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 and a lot of this is, 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 goes back to some of the things I've already mentioned, but he talks about the promises of God. We are guarded by, the, by His promises. What did it say in verse 4? His promises would do. Through His divine promises, His exceeding great precious promises, Through these, we become partakers of His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, His promises applied will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. He wants us to have a working knowledge of that. No, and the more more Word of God I know, the more holy and righteous I can be. It's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. What did Jesus do when the devil came against Him? And he was led by the Spirit into the what? Wilderness. And what did Jesus do? He wielded the Word of God and the promises of God. And and he was victorious over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life that was imposed upon him by the devil. We are guarded by his promises. Number two, we're guarded, as I said, by our diligence. If we'll be diligent to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and all the above that we read in verse uh, 5 through 10 of chapter 1, what will it do? If we do these things and they abound in us, we'll never stumble. They'll guard us. And our diligent approach to our Christian life. Listen to me. A lot of people are diligent about a lot of things. I, and, and it's a lot of good things. We're diligent with how we raise our kids. We're diligent with how we handle our money. We're diligent with all these things. We're diligent with this. We're diligent with that. We're, oh boy, we don't pay, you don't let that go. We gotta pay, pay, pay attention to this or that. Listen, Peter's coming along. He said, you need to be diligent about your spiritual growth. Cause it'll guard you and keep you from stumbling. And then number three, we're guarded by our knowledge of God. That what we know, it's, it's, hey, we progress through this life into that life by how? By who we know and what we know. You, listen, there'll be people stand before God and everybody's going to stand before God. Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to heaven. Everybody say, everybody's not going to heaven. Everybody's not going to heaven. Only people who have 
accepted Him and believed the gospel and yielded their lives to Him are going to go to heaven, but everybody's going to stand before Him and, and many people will say, I, I didn't know. I didn't have the knowledge. How many of you know the Bible says they're without excuse? Now, that, on the other hand, that's why we need to be successful with our evangelistic efforts to where we know people hear the gospel. But our knowledge of God, verse, uh, verse 17 of chapter 3, it, it, says, it says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, since you have a previous knowledge that the enemy and, 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 uns, and, and, uh, and, and false prophets are going to come and there's going to be an attack on your faith. Since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall prey to the, to the uh, enemy's influence and the error of the wicked. In other words, your knowledge ought to keep you on the straight and narrow. Amen? Hallelujah. And those will guard us. In fact, let me just say about your knowledge. Verse 17 and 18. Uh, how many of you know, we not only need to maintain what we know, but we need to increase in what we know. In fact, what does he say in verse 18? But grow. Everybody say grow. Grow in the grace and in the what? Knowledge. Because the more you know, the more you grow. And the more you know, listen carefully, the more you know Him and the more you know about Him, as we've already affirmed, it, it moves you into supernatural power over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen? And so He wanted us to have a working knowledge of what will guard us and keep us. Uh, in fact, what did Hosea say? You remember what Hosea said in Hosea 4, 6? My people are what? Destroyed for a what? Lack of knowledge. In fact, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 8, he said, if these things are yours and what? Abound, ever increasing, always growing, always becoming more, not less. Amen. And then finally tonight, uh, in fact, this is a theme throughout both of these letters. Peter pressed us to have a working knowledge of his glory. And I want to say it this way. Our journey from this life to that life should be lived for the glory of His name. I'm living for His glory and for His honor. This is not about me. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you. And then say, it's not about me either. Look what he says in the last sentence of verse 18 of chapter 3. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. What's he saying? You need to understand, this life we live, the struggles we go through, the problems we face. In fact, ooh, let me go back to second, or to first Peter. Everybody slip to the right. Let me show you these verses. Look in second Peter chapter three, or pardon me, uh, first Peter chapter four. Look at this. Verse 11. Follow me. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're due to the law, but not a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come and you say, am I in the right verse? Let me look. Chapter 4, am I in 4? I'm getting, ooh. Oh, I'm in James. 
That would, I, I went too far. I'm in James. Here we go. I, I was reading that. That is not where I'm going. James is a long ways off. Verse 11. Look, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be what? That in all things God may be glorified. In other words, in this life you live, whatever you do, everybody say, whatever I do, God needs to be glorified. Whew, I love that. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now follow this. Now he's talking about the rough patches in life. Look what he says. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed. But on your part, on your part, what? He's glorified. See, Paul wants us to have a working knowledge. Hey, it's all for his glory. Why do we say nope to dope for his glory? Why do we, why do we live holy and righteous? It's for his glory. Why do we live and move and have our being just to get through this life. No, to glorify God in our life. In fact, he finishes off uh, this letter uh, uh, pretty close to the end in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. Again, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, Peter's pressing us for a work in knowledge the reality that the life we live on this life, listen, is for His glory and honor. Sadly, many of us, most of us, all of us, on some level, we can look at our life and we can say, you know, that doesn't bring glory and honor to God. You know, when we struggle through the, through the hard times, He understands. Everybody say, He understands. In fact, the Bible says, look unto Jesus, who was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He endured the cross, yet He didn't sin. We follow Him. He understand, Everybody say, He understands. But understand something about Him. If we live the life that He would have us to live, the way He would have us to live our life, from this life into that life, and we live according to what we've been reading here and studying here for the past eight weeks, we can come to the close of our life and be able to say, it was for your glory and honor. For the fame of His name. For the glory of God I live. And for the glory of God I suffer. For the glory of God I, I may die. For His glory and His honor. Amen. We see Peter pressing us towards that. To put into practice. Let me just review. I just got to go back over these five thoughts. Pressing us to have a working knowledge of the gifts that He's given us. To empower us in this life that we have. Uh, and 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 uh, get a working knowledge of his goals, the goals that he has for us to be stable and to be successful, to have a working knowledge of what it takes to 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 have vision and clarity about our life and about our future, to be able to have a working knowledge of what 
keeps us guarded against the influences of this world and then to know it's all for His glory. Everybody says it's for His glory. And that, my friend, concludes the Pilgrim's Progress. Whoo! Everybody say, whoo! Hallelujah. Now, you've got some things to challenge you. Even the, the, Hey, I gave you five thoughts. If one or the, two or three of those didn't challenge you uh, and, and didn't and didn't press you to a greater working knowledge of that. If you're, for example, if you're just kind of in limbo about future and destiny, you need to press in to 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 some clarity with God. Amen. If if you if you are always stumbling and bumbling around, you need to understand God has a plan of stability for your life, and you've got to you've got to engage uh, with God's plan and begin to with due diligence and all diligence began to add some things into your life. Hallelujah. If some of us are living for, for yourself, listen, that'll frustrate you and, and you will stumble and struggle and be frustrated spiritually until you turn to the place where it's for His glory and honor. Amen? Let's stand up together. It's 8.15. For some reason, my microphone's a little scratchy, but let's finish off by lifting our hearts to God and thanking Him for His Word tonight. Father, we thank You for your this prophetic Word that is more sure. We thank You for the Word of God that shines a light into our life and into our path. Lord, we embrace the truths of Scripture. We want to know You, Lord, more, but we want to know Your Word because when we know Your Word, we'll know You more. And Lord, we just thank You that the Word of God is piercing into our hearts tonight. I thank You for these two wonderful letters that were written by a fisherman who met You on the road, Jesus. And he said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Lord, today we read the words You gave him and embrace them as God's Word to our life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.